Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, the podcast that takes you inside the walls of an independent cinema. My name is Nick Aldrink. I am the digital media specialist at the Michigan Theater Foundation. I am joined by two guests who also work at the theater. Tell us who you are and what you do for the theater. I am Sarah Erlewine. I am the marketing manager and kind of anything they need me to be at the Michigan <laughs> Theater. Kind of the way we all are. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, hi, my name is Mackenzie Peacock, um, and I am the conference manager for the Art House Convergence. Perfect. Thank you both for being here. Uh, for coming back, many uh, you both have been on a few episodes now. You know their voices. We are going to be talking about a little film that is uh, that just opened at the State Theater called Eighth Grade. Uh, Eighth Grade was uh, it was the opening night film at Cinetopia, and we were lucky enough to have Bo Burnham join us for. Uh, a Q&A afterwards. Both of you were there for that, right? Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, actually, I was backstage helping Pope yeah. Burnham get backstage, <laughs> but yes, we were there. Yeah, I got to take him in through the trash alley uh, to yeah. get to the stage. <laughs> what did you think of that? Um, well, I I think he was totally fine with it. I think his publicist maybe was, you know, not stoked oh, about yeah. it. But yeah, he wanted to get in um, and his options were either to walk by like a thousand people waiting outside or we had a party going on in the theater. Mm-hmm. So basically every entrance you had to walk through Big hundreds and hundreds <laughs> yeah. of people. And he had to get up to a, uh, we were having a press conference at the front. And I said, well, uh, we do have a side door. <laughs> it is next to three dumpsters. It is not a beautiful alley. It smells like trash, but <laughs> it's, um, it's the fastest way in. And he was like, yeah, sure, great, let's do it. And as we're walking in, I was like, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, this is great. And his publicist was like, ah. Uh, maybe not next time we Yeah, she was not happy. But I I was very explicit that we were going to be walking through trash. So you got that's to see on behind the marquee. That's okay. A, yeah, and that's Bo the Burnham, truth. Bo Burnham got the true behind the marquee. Behind experience. the marquee is a trash alley. Mm-hmm. Now if you it, all know. If anyone if any listeners out there would like to see the trash alley, uh, please reach out to us. You can choose go behind Actually, the marquee. It is open to the public. Uh, so just a beautiful view of the Sava's cook smoking. It's great. Right. And uh Right next to Tropical Smoothie Cafe, right? Mm-hmm. You, you 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 won't miss it, really. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and there is and it's now complete with one extra dumpster. <laughs> hey, thanks, City of Ann Arbor. <laughs> Things are progressing. Thank you, City of Ann Arbor. And he's a giant of a man. Too. Oh my god, that <laughs> he's was very tall. I'm a very short person, mm-hmm. and he was oppressively tall. <laughs> well, especially because like I feel I'm not used to seeing him with other people because I've mm-hmm. been a fan of his comedy for what, like a decade or something mm-hmm. and it was always just him at his piano in his parents attic or mm-hmm. him doing stand up on a stage right um, yeah and without context I, he doesn't seem as tall and I've even I've seen him in person on stage before mm-hmm. I saw him at Royal Oak a couple years ago um, but still there's nothing maybe he has extra tall stools or something I don't know <laughs> it, it, it never struck me that he was like a crazy tall person until I was standing next to him and I was like oh wow yeah. and, and Mackenzie you're not you know, I'm five ten. Yeah. <laughs> and appropriately enough, at least for 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 me, and I don't know uh, what age you were when he became when he became popular. For me, it was just that that seventh and eighth grade time. Yeah, and he, I mean, he I think, yeah. I was gonna say I'm a year younger than you, so yeah. I think it was about the same time. Yeah, it was a, a very appropriate time to be introduced to to Bo Burnham, and because his his comedy was pretty edgy. Yeah, and but it, very edgy. And for at least for for me watching, I was like, have to like make sure the the audio is turned down a little bit while I'm watching <laughs> it at home because my mom's gonna turn the corner. What are you listening to? Well, and it was also like uh, humor that a 15 year old would like too. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of like sex jokes and mm-hmm. like pretty raunchy and like him trying to 
push his own limits, I think, of like yeah. what he could talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't like. That's not really his humor as much anymore. Now he talks about like, you know, art is dead and God <laughs> hates all of us. Uh, that's what most of us end up. That's about the these proper days. progression from fifteen to twenty something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting in eighth grade to like see him revisit that his own uh, start basically. Well, that's kind of interesting for me as somebody who's a decade older than you guys. Mm-hmm. My my first opinion of or kind of noticing of Bo Burnham was like he came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden he was just there and everybody knew who he was and everybody talked about him like like he was a friend. And I, mm-hmm. I had no idea of his YouTube channel. I had no idea of anything that he was doing. I was just like, oh, here's this comedian that mm-hmm. everybody knows and... I'm old, so I guess yeah. I just missed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, that was kind of uh, an interesting like revelation after the fact to look back and see where he'd come from and see where he's ended up now with this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, astonishingly, I guess it's not really astonishing, but um, that the movie is rated R, but it is not your uh, a, a raunchy comedy right. as, as some uh, who watches his old YouTube videos would come to expect. Yeah, and I think um, what I saw him stay, say on the matter was because he was kind of upset that eighth graders might not be able to go see the yeah. movie. And he said the movie's rated R because eighth grade is rated R. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I mean, he's totally right. And and I think that's kind of an interesting point from storytellers across the years. Like, how do you accurately tell what it's like to be 13, 14, 15 in a way that people want to see or, or will let you say because – 13-year-olds are dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this isn't like a Heathers or something where it's like a stylized look at adolescence. It's like this is a very realistic portrayal of eighth grade. I can't mm-hmm. imagine a single eighth grader watching that movie and like seeing something that they wouldn't see walking down the <laughs> hallway. Absolutely. Anywhere it, in this country. It, it It's – and it's a perfect film. It's, it, it's, it's, it's perfect and it would be s- – s- but it would be so awkward to see it with, with your parents. Oh my god! Because I can't it, even it, it, it 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 portrays both sides on the matter so well that her Elsie uh, Fisher's dad in the film is so empathetic. They both are extremely empathetic characters, and you see both sides on the matter yeah. so well. He he paints both 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 sides of the argument so perfectly. And it's something that needs to happen, I think, for for eighth graders to see what they're doing to their parents and for parents to understand, once again, what they're doing to their children. So I actually did see it with my mom. Oh, you Um, did? Yeah, I brought my mom to opening night of Mm -hmm. Cinetopia. And yeah, we definitely were like, yep, that's that's pretty (laughs) accurate. Sorry, mom. Um, And it was interesting, too, because the first time I saw the film, um, I saw it at Sundance this past January. Yeah. Um, and I actually sat next to Russ Collins, the executive director of the Michigan Theater. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, who's a man who's 30, 40 years older than me. And uh, we had, like, the exact same reaction walking out of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm 10 years older than the girl in the film. I didn't have Snapchat or social media in middle school. So, you know, I'll be able to relate as because I was recently a teenage girl. But I'm sure there'll be some distance because I didn't have all these other disruptions um, and stressors as a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. And um, both Russ and I realized, like, it doesn't matter if you were in eighth grade a week ago or 10 years ago or 40 years ago. It's mm-hmm. You have the same experience watching mm-hmm. this movie. So is this a good time to tell you that I couldn't finish the movie? Yes, it is a perfect what? time. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, so that's actually 
the most accurate description, though. What Mackenzie said, it really is. It's so universal. And I have the worst trouble with secondhand embarrassment. And I got <laughs> to a point with the movie where it was so painful that I walked out. <laughs> and I don't want that fact to be taken as me saying, this is a terrible movie and no one should watch it. It is a great movie. Yeah. And it is so well done that it was so poignantly, poignantly painful for me. Mm-hmm. And I have not been in middle school for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I saw someone um, on Twitter the other day tagging A24 because um, A24 a couple months ago when Hereditary was coming out, the horror movie that um, hopefully you guys saw at the State Theater. Um, and to promote it, A24 did this thing with Alamo Drafthouse where they hooked up heart rate monitors to the audience right. um, and then showed the graph. of <laughs> You can see all the spikes uh, throughout the movie. And then basically the last third of the movie, it's just like everyone's heart rates at like heart attack level, mm-hmm. um, like the whole audience. And someone was like, a- A24, why aren't you doing this for eighth grade? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's more, honestly, it's more Everybody's traumatic. like spikes early and it never goes yeah, I don't. I don't care how old you are. You remember going to, if you ever went to a pool party in eighth grade where you don't really know anyone, it's like, oh, dear God. And you remember talking to the cool kids in the hallway and they're just not paying yeah. any attention to you. <laughs> and, and and that's always the worst part. Mm-hmm. It's like she's not mocked, she's yeah. not ridiculed, she's just kind of ignored. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so painful, but really astonishingly well done, especially for such a young male filmmaker. Yeah. Yes, yes, incredibly. And I was trying to think of what is Bo Burnham's style, and this this is his first film, and I'm trying to pick out. What is it that we're going to see more doing from him later? And uh, one thing he mentioned that's that was great to know in his Q&A after he did from Cinetopia, someone asked him how he worked with Elsie Fisher in, uh, in playing the part, especially in her vlog segments throughout the film, because it comes off as so natural. Someone was like, did, did Elsie improvise that? He said, no, that was all scripted. Elsie just did a, such a perfect job uh, reading the die or reading the monologue that it comes off as as improvised, but that now that's that's his thing. It's the, the the all the characters have these playful interactions, and especially I think people people tend to think of comedians as as such that will that will favor on improvisation, but his his no, his script was just so tight and, and well-written. Yes, he's incredibly meticulous. Even when you watch his stand-up specials, which I highly recommend you do, I know he has at least one of them on Netflix, and I think the other one is on his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And he has, it's like an hour-long show, every single second of his comedy show is planned out mm-hmm. with the lights and with what mic he's going to be at and how he interacts with the sound, mm-hmm. like every single moment of his yeah. show is like, he is such a perfectionist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you can see that with his poetry. He's written poetry, um, and which is uh, which is also like really beautifully done, um, but still funny. Everything's very truthful, but everything is like, he, you can tell he has control over every single detail. So like in that film, yeah, he says every single um and like and pause that she says throughout the film was in the script. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> So here's a place where I can actually give a little bit of behind the marquee of what it's like to work for marketing in a theater. So working with a team like A24 and the marketing firm that they contract with, who's out of Detroit, who's actually, it's a national firm, but they have a Detroit branch. 
I know from working with them in their context that what he wanted specifically out of our showing and why he wanted to come and be a part of our Cinetopia was because we had such access to a young audience that it was so important to him that young people see this, that parents see this, and and that was a really driving force between between that sorry behind how we marketed it, and who we reached out to, and where we took the news that he was going to be appearing. It wasn't just because we thought young people would be the ones who would want to see Bo Burnham. It's also because Bo Burnham wants wanted to see the young people in his audience. He mm-hmm. wanted to see how they responded to this movie, and to me, I think that's kind of indicative of where his values are, I guess, as a storyteller, Mm -hmm. that I think that I wouldn't be surprised if we see him do more Mm youth-oriented projects because I think that, I think he takes his role seriously as somebody that young people listen to. Mm -hmm. And you you, you mentioned, uh, I changed the topic slightly when you brought up the fact that he he portrays uh, or he he wrote an eighth grade girl so well because I don't think uh, that, uh, I I see that coming up in a lot of his interviews as someone like how did you write an eighth grade girl so well you're a 27 year old man how how did you do that and he expressed something where it isn't necessarily about an eighth grade girl this is a universal story and he he also ex- expressed that it was actually easy learning the mindset because he would go onto YouTube and he would find different blog, different vlogs and just sort the, uh, his search results by, by time, by, by, by the, like the latest uploaded so that he is seeing that. So the search results are coming up with those people that have 10 subscribers up at the top and are, that do have those people that are just pouring their heart out into these videos. What I love too, um, when he was talking about that, was he said that um, teenage girls on YouTube talk about uh, their life and their feelings mm-hmm. and their fears, and teenage boys on YouTube talk about Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I, I had a much easier time, and I thought it was really funny. He made the point. Um, he was almost like offended that people keep asking about like how he could know all of these things, and he's like, I just did the research. He's like, if I made a movie about the Civil War, you wouldn't be like, how do you know all these things about the Civil (laughs) War? Magically. He's like, like, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of these teenage girls talking about how they, you know, make up and their feeling. Everything about about being a teenage girl on the Internet. He's like, I just did the research. What were the specific moments in this film that 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 brought you back? You mentioned the pool party scene already. Specifically, the kid pulling his eyelids back yeah. <laughs> at the pool party. I'm like, yep. yep. It, it, it it was the, the the so many of the little things, just like just like that in the film, brought me back uh, to to middle school days and just stuff that I had completely forgotten that happened, like. The parts they're they're in the in the auditorium or any sort of moment where the they're the school population is gathered together where you just hear the kid in the background go LeBron James, <laughs> <laughs> and I love too uh, the little details like he talked about how his production designer um, at one point uh, uh, the uh, Kayla the main character hands a note to the cool girl in school yeah. and he had it just scripted a he had it uh, scripted as just a folded note that. Uh, he handed over mm-hmm. and his production designer stopped him and grabbed the note and folded it like 10 more times yeah. into a triangle <laughs> yeah. to then pass to the girl. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's so much more right. accurate. It's like, you wouldn't just fold a piece of paper. You're in eighth grade. You would take the yeah. time to make this like <laughs> dumb little triangle. And I noticed that in the movie. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I totally would do that. Would fold a note that way. Mm-hmm. 
I I liked the banana scene. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Just that awkwardness of you're doing something that you're not really sure even how to articulate and then trying to talk to your parent about it. And then being, being caught by <laughs> your yeah, parents. Exactly. <laughs> it just – and it just – goes beyond <laughs> like any for, normal way of reacting to, oh, yes, I have a banana. <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen the film, uh, the scene's probably about exactly what you think about. <laughs> right. I don't want to go into too much detail for those of you who haven't seen it right. yet, but you can probably guess. A teenager <laughs> with a banana. banana. Mm. <laughs> There's also the moment at the, at, the, at the conclusion of the film where... She's on the, I don't know if it's a date necessarily, how it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to be in the film. But I realized how awkward, how awkward dating was in middle school that you, they were still set up like play dates almost mm-hmm. where you have to like get your parents to drive you like, mom, can you drive me to my girlfriend's house? <laughs> so, I really wouldn't know. So. Uh, yeah, that was much part of my my middle school experience. However, there is that bit that's in the trailer when she's burning the box and he's yeah. like, oh, what's in that? And he, her dad's like, what's in that? And she says, oh, just my hopes and dreams. Like, <laughs> that actually was probably the most accurate representation of my eighth grade year. I, it, To me, I realized, and I don't know if it's, we've, we've just grown cynical as film viewers or just in general with life, but I realized... You see each moment and you you start imagining how this is going to play out and be like, oh, this is going to get really dark and really sad. But then it's like, nope, it's actually going to subvert your expectations. The, the moments don't come out good, but they, you can definitely – you start imagining how, how scenes could become something much worse. I think that that's actually what drove me out of the theater more yeah. than anything yeah. was that it reached a point where I could see how badly a certain plot twist was going to go. And I was like, I'm not ready for this. Mm-hmm. And I so I left. Yeah. And uh, and and you and I have spoken about it since. Um, one thing that is uh, good about our relationship is I don't care about spoilers. So I let you tell me everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and after you explained it to me, I was like, oh, you know what? I probably can't handle that. Yeah. And I will go back and see it mm-hmm. at some point. But absolutely. And you know what? I think it's actually, um, I don't even know if it's necessarily just that we're cynical as people, but I think it's following a very specific era of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look back at movies that came out in like the late 90s and the early 2000s, and there were a lot of things like uh, what one was I just talking about? Magnolia or Happiness or those kind of films where it always went to the worst place. Yeah. And sometimes it went beyond the worst place that you thought that it could go. Mm-hmm. And there were there were a lot of movies that delved really into the darkest parts of humanity. And I think some of that, I mean, I could get really philosophical here for you yeah. <laughs> about how I think that was very representative of the era when we felt safer. And I don't think we feel as safe now. And now we're getting these kinder movies, mm-hmm. which I think is nice. Yeah. So. All I want to do anymore is watch Paddington, too. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> it. I mean, and you look at what's been doing well at our theater. It's been the stuff that makes people feel good. Yeah. And he he expressed that while he was while he was making the film, he had it was his idea that this film was going to come out in Hillary's America. <laughs> and that didn't happen. And he uh, he thought it was going to be uh, he was concerned about it as as the film was being released. But I think it's the exact opposite. This film Absolutely. is exactly for the era that we're yep. in right now. 
So let's talk about our eighth grade selves for a bit real real quickly before before we move on what were the some of the what were the we're gonna age ourselves a little bit here Uh, you're gonna be able to figure out exactly how old all of us are (laughs) what were the films that you were seeing in eighth grade uh yes whether they were new or whether that these were your favorite movies oh well so so um my eighth grade year was actually really interesting it's the year my grandmother died oh and so i spent a lot of time with my older cousins and I got introduced to a lot of things mm-hmm. that I maybe wasn't personally ready for. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, that's the first time I saw that. Uh, and I saw Fire Walk With Me, actually, oh. which we were just talking about <laughs> uh, before we started recording. And, uh, and, and things like that that were fairly heavy and kind of contextualized with going through that grieving process for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... In preparation for talking about this, I kind of looked back at what else was coming out that yeah. year. The stuff that maybe doesn't stick out to me in context as having been an eighth grade movie. But one of my favorite movies of all time actually came out that year, which is I Love You to Death. Hmm. Um, it's uh, it's Kevin Klein and Tracy Ullman Ooh, and okay. Keanu Reeves, River Phoenix. What? Oh, wow. my God. You guys have never seen this movie? I've no. never heard of it. Oh, no. It's Keanu so and Kevin Klein are like my two biggest Yeah. Matches. So basically, Kevin Klein is a cheating, philandering husband, and Tracy Ullman decides to kill him. And so she hires Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix to do it, and they totally botch it up. And he survives. <laughs> and they shoot it Like, they've shot him in the head, but they gave him sleeping pills. I don't know. It's so... It's Can we really, play it at the theater? I, have, I actually used to try to convince Brian to play it, because I think it's so good. I think it's a hilarious movie, and I could watch that movie anytime. All that. right. I have very clear memories in eighth grade of films that I saw theatrically. Like, uh, I lo- when you asked me that question, I looked it up, and I remember going to see uh, Happy Feet opening night for the soul. I mean, Happy Feet's a fine movie, but the soul- the only reason why I went to see it was because Warner Brothers announced that they were going to be premiering the trailer for Harry Potter Order of the <laughs> Phoenix before the film. So we showed up at, you know, a 9 o'clock showing or something at the Brighton MJR. Shout out to the Brighton MJR. I went there every <laughs> week growing up. Um, and... It was a huge crowd of high schoolers and middle schoolers. And as soon as the um, Warner Brothers logo showed up for the Harry Potter trailer, the whole audience just freaked out, everyone <laughs> cheering. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. All of us are just here because we really want to see the Harry Potter trailer. Because that was before you know, they weren't put up online or anything. Right. So that was, if you want to see the trailer, you had to go see Happy Feet. Um, and a timely movie I also remember seeing in eighth grade was uh, Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> and I, uh, my best friend and I went, I think it was like a Saturday matinee, and we dressed up in all black and wore black sunglasses <laughs> and sang the music to ourselves. And we're like sneaking around the um, Brighton MJR, again, shout out. And I just remember like glares from like the 17-year-olds <laughs> getting paid minimum wage to sell popcorn who are just like, who the hell are these <laughs> middle schoolers <laughs> who are just having a great time? Yeah, that that was when films started becoming events. I think for for teenagers, as long, I mean, as as long as you could get a ride to the theater, you could go to the theater by yourself with your friends. Maybe for the it was an experience just yeah. to be out of the house and be by yourself and be independent. Yeah, absolutely. That was when I started watch going to like midnight screenings. Yeah, uh, going too. to the midnight of Revenge of the Sith was a really big deal for me. In yeah, eighth that was grade. sixth grade. That was sixth grade for me, wasn't it? Uh, it was eighth grade for me. Then it must have been seventh for me. Mm-hmm. And you youngins, <laughs> that was my first midnight. Speak, yeah, and it, you, 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 you mentioned uh, seeing going to uh, what was it? 
to see Order the Phoenix trailer. What was the Happy Feet? Happy Feet. I I I mentioned before the podcast that uh, before we started recording that I watched an episode. The only episode of the OC that I ever watched was to see the trailer for Revenge of the Sith during the show. But I was also just reminded uh, that I went and saw Robots, the the animated yeah, Ewan McGregor, Robin Williams yeah. classic, to do the same thing <laughs> to see that Revenge of the Sith. I love trailer, that. and I saw that in IMAX too because oh I, I think it was playing in the. The, the celebration IMAX in uh, Grand Rapids. I traveled to Grand Rapids because I wanted to see the Revenge of the Sith trailer in IMAX. As big as possible. As big as possible. Mm-hmm. I got to the theater and they didn't play it. No! <laughs> <laughs> I think because it was IMAX, they, they maybe had a it special... Had been formatted or yeah, something. Yeah, or they had a, spe- a very specific pre-show. Well, especially like they, now that we work at a theater, we know all about, <laughs> oh yeah, that makes sense. They probably <laughs> only advertise like IMAX movies. Right. Yeah. Like, some, like exactly. James Cameron something. Yeah. You know what I also I just remember too is that eighth grade is actually uh, the first time I went to an art house movie theater um, that I can remember uh, specifically. Uh-huh. I went uh, in eighth grade. I went to there used to be um, it was this like Middle Eastern art house in um, where is the Twelve Oaks Mall in Novi in mm-hmm. Novi, Michigan. Um, and for some reason, my mom and I really wanted to go see Pan's Labyrinth. I don't remember why. I don't know. I'm like, why weren't my brothers there? We went. To, but yeah, but I was in eighth grade. That's I don't know true. why. And I remember my mom and I went and saw Pan's Labyrinth at this. It was in a strip mall in Novi. And it was like two theaters. It's not open anymore. And we were the only ones in the theater. And I almost threw up when the guy, um, if those of you haven't seen the movie, there's a very violent scene with a bottle in a guy's face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty hard R. My parents didn't really care it, about that. No, it was a re- it's, that's a very hard my, R. <laughs> my parents did not care about that. I saw Gladiator at like age six. Oh, yeah. No, my parents didn't care about <laughs> but that. We used anyways, to joke about Erlewine family movies. They were always R-rated. <laughs> that was like my first time going to a theater that wasn't a like commercial chain, which mm-hmm. I mean, I love commercial chains. So there's no hate there. But that was my first experience being like, wow, what is this movie theater? Um, and now that's my whole job. It's just <laughs> talking about art house movie theaters. There was also pressure to see films in, in in middle school as well because that was when I think humor started starts to evolve for for kids and it, it obviously it becomes referential humor because there's really no creativity on middle on middle schoolers. So of course I went and saw Wedding Crashers when yeah. I when I was in eighth grade. I saw Mean Girls because you can't keep up with eighth you can't keep up with with middle schoolers if you don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. So my problem was I was trying to keep up with my high school age brother oh. who was really. <laughs> <laughs> kind of um, I mean he, he ended up being a music critic so mm-hmm. he's always been into kind of more independent or esoteric or art house fair and I would say that that was kind of my introduction but because of that I was really getting into gangster movies as well <laughs> and I was uh, kind of in love with Robert De Niro and that was the one time so I was joking earlier about the Earl and family movies that was mm-hmm. the one time my mom put down her foot and said there were two movies that I could not watch <laughs> I could not watch Taxi Driver, and I could not watch Raging Bull. <laughs> and to this day, I've still never seen Raging Bull. Really? And apparently, I saw Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. but I saw it after I was recovering from surgery, and I only know I saw it because I posted about it on Facebook. <laughs> so, all right, let's uh, let, let, let's uh, start start wrapping this up a little bit here. By the way, I'm going to be posting the Q and A that Bo Burnham. Uh, did for Cinetopia on Monday. Oh, I'm going cool. to re- re- release the audio of that for a bonus podcast. That's great. That was really, really it was nicely done and, and well-received by the audience at the time. Some great questions yeah. were asked during his Q&A as well. Especially by eighth graders. It was kind of yes. fun. He like called out. He's like, are there any actual eighth graders in the audience? And then he took questions from them, mm-hmm. which I just remember the one kid said, so 
why did you make this movie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, oh, cool. Great question. And uh, just, uh, I, I, I hope that you're listening to this after after you've seen the movie. I should, I should have posted a, a spoiler warning at the, at the top of the episode. I, I don't, I don't I, think we said much. We've no. done pretty good. I no. mean, a lot of the stuff we've referenced you can see in the trailer, mm-hmm. or just kind of a yeah. General I was trying sense. not to say but, anything that I thought people hadn't seen in the trailer. But definitely uh, see the film and then listen to his Q and A afterward because yeah. they, they, there are very, uh, a lot of questions specific questions about the film that he brings up in the Q&A and I hope that you that you go see the film at the state before you listen to that episode so before we uh, wrap things up here we're going to get to our last segment called our movie magic moments of the week this is the moment in the episode where we talk about something that we've seen recently that reminded us why we love movies and why we enjoy working at an independent cinema so uh, Sarah why don't you start things off Okay, so I'm actually going to talk about two movies. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, and they are both currently playing at the State Theater. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to talk about Sorry to Bother You mm-hmm. and Blind Spotting, mm-hmm. uh, both of which I think are competing for audiences right now, and they shouldn't because yes. they are so different. Uh, <laughs> it's really easy to look at the stuff they have in common, which is that they're sort of modern takes on a racial discussion set against the backdrop of Oakland, California, and the gentrifying nature of the city mm-hmm. and the way things are changing. Uh, But on one hand, you've got Sorry to Bother You, which is an absurdist piece on so many things. (laughs) And it really just gets so wild and wacky and it's innovative and it's captivating and it's it's so weird. (laughs) I don't know. But it it is. It's so good. And I would highly recommend it. And I think that in some ways that's sort of overshadowing blind spotting because it came out first and it's so eye catching. Mm -hmm. You know, it's bright. It's got these really interesting conceits of using white actors for the black actors voices Mm -hmm. for different sequences. Um, And blind spotting is a more straightforward movie, but it. I mean, they describe it as a buddy comedy, which I find really interesting because, I mean, certainly if you've seen the trailer, you know that there's a lot of dark, heavy stuff that happens in it. I actually have to say something about that because I just heard um, that Rafael Casal, who's one of the writers and stars, he said... Um, he said in an interview that it's it, it's a buddy comedy, but it, that's not allowed to be a buddy comedy. Yep. And that people kept seizing the quote that it was just a buddy comedy. Yeah. And now he's like, no. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it wants to be a buddy comedy, but it's well, not right, allowed right, to be a buddy right. comedy. And, and because what it is is buddy comedies are usually taken out of the real world and yeah. put into kind of this expectation where things can be goofy and fun and light. And this isn't taken out of that. It's got some real world significance. But I think the best thing about... Blind spotting to me is the rhythm of the movie. Um, it has a, like a, like a real beat that travels through it, and it escalates. And I mean, the fact that they're both spoken word artists and you know hip hop artists, like they really have a great sense of how to kind of build this tension mm-hmm. and and release it. And I anyway, I, I think it's great, yes. and I think that yeah. more people should see it. Mm-hmm. And so that's I just wanted to take this moment to do a plug for Blind Spot. Yeah, it was a big hit at Cinetopia as well. And yep. uh, David and uh, Raphael joined us for a Q&A after the, the screening in Detroit, too. And yep. yeah. yeah, everybody who I talked to afterwards, after we saw it, I mean, it was really well received. It seems mm-hmm. to be one that's hard to get people into the theaters for. Mm-hmm. But once they're in it, they love it. Yeah. 
So I also have two movies um, that I couldn't decide between, and I definitely do not need to talk about these movies. <laughs> um, but I had the absolute joyous pleasure last week of seeing um, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. <laughs> I don't know why you're... Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, and uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. And easily two of the most enjoyable experiences I've had in the theater in mm-hmm. months. I... Oh, my God. Both those movies are just the reason why I love going to cinema. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's just so – it's just like allow yourself to feel joy. Um, okay. And if you if you feel uh, like it's not for you, we should watch the Peter Rosenthal Onion review because <laughs> um, he'll rip you apart as to why, you're, why you don't allow yourself to enjoy life um, and perfectly find pieces of art that bring people joy. Um, and then here – I mean, Mission Impossible. I, I love those movies. I've always loved those movies. Tom Cruise, as weird as he is, which that's a great conversation <laughs> to have. I, I mean, he's, I don't know. Am I going to say he's our greatest movie star? I might. That's a um, whole nother podcast that's a, episode. I would, if you would do a <laughs> Actually, Tom Cruise yeah. episode, oh Can we do my a Tom God. Episode? To. Okay. I just told you I, just... I watched Eyes Wide Shut last night. I love Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot to say about Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that movie, um, you just, you're strapped in to watch the impossible. You watch him literally shatter his ankle for your enjoyment. Um he, sh- he broke his ankle. F- oh, building. really? Yeah, he jumps from a building to another building in London. Um, and he, you know, he actually does this because sh- he's that's his he his like pride and joy is actually doing. He does all of his own stunts, and he shattered his ankle against the building and got up and continued running. And that's the take they used in the movie. Uh, and so you see Tom Cruise shatter his ankle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like Ooh. he like gets up and he like he's like limping as he continues to run. But he continues to yeah. run because he's. <laughs> Tom Cruise. I'm sorry, I'm swearing. I get really excited about Tom Cruise. Um, he, you know, he like he hangs out of helicopters. He, he jumps. He jumps from um, twenty thousand feet, um, which I saw. Him, I, I can. I'm gonna get into this too much. But I just, I love that movie. Um, and movie pass or not, you should go see Mission Impossible. Oh, see, that's a whole other podcast yeah, that, too. We can follow up on our last just, conversation yeah. about movie I'm pass. Le- I'm leaving it on a. Uh, <laughs> Come back soon. Here's a cliffhanger. Just yeah. like Tom Cruise hanging Tom off a cliff, Cruise. which he does in this movie, by the way. He does climb up a cliff again. <laughs> so my movie magic moment last week, I was exploring the Westgate, the Westgate branch of the Ann Arbor District Library. And uh, I picked up a copy of Logan because I've never seen it. Oh, man. I love it. And as I as I popped it in, I realized it came with a version called Logan Noir. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, the it, black and white. The black and white version. Yeah. And it was spectacular. Like the, the movie itself is very, it, it is very good. It was uh, nominated for best uh, best screenplay. So the movie itself is very good, but the black and white version is so stunning. Yeah. And it's, oh, you've convinced me now. I have to go see this. Have, have you seen it already? No. No. It's incredible. I know. I it's one of those ones that I meant to, and it's just got away from yeah, me. Yeah. Any version you watch. And it, it was it, it was very refreshing for this uh, for the genre that I think is playing itself out a little bit the superhero right. genre uh, at least it, 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 yeah sorry I, a, lo- I, a lot of opinions about that yeah but I made a face to Nick and I yeah. only say that because my three favorite superhero movies pretty much ever came out last year so I'm like huh? no yeah what and, are they and, and uh, Spider Man Homecoming Black Panther and Logan yeah. Oh, see, I like I I haven't seen Logan, but I'd agree with the first two, and then mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok, which I've spoken about. I've spoken about on this There's... podcast before. My love for Thor Ragnarok. I forgot about Thor Ragnarok. 
the cursing, Mackenzie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can, I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You please, Mackenzie you, will never be invited you can, back. You can cut out my whole Tom Cruise thing and no. that. Please do. I'm I'll, serious. I won't be offended I'll, if I'll, you need to make it PG or bleep it. I'll bleep it. Okay. Yeah, because we, we can't cut that out. <laughs> no, it's right. It's, no, 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 people need to hear how you feel about Tom Cruise. <laughs> But this, all right, so this this remastering of films or recutting of films into black and white isn't something that's new. I mean, uh, Steve Soderbergh recut. Uh, oh, is he Steve now? Steve, Steve, yeah, Steve, Steve. Steve. Are you guys are buddies. Stevie Sodes. <laughs> he, he he recut uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark into black and white a couple years ago really? and set it and set it to a Trent Reznor score. Oh my God! And it's fantastic. Oh, why haven't find, I seen that? Find this cut. This. Find this cut and then George Miller did the same for Mad Max Fury Road yeah uh, which was another another one of my favorite movies of all time and that worked really well and too. it worked really well because you see the 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 inspirations of of the director and, and the cinematographer so clearly you see where they're coming from you see what what films that they're that they're evoking in their style and you definitely see the mastery of framing a scene in black and white so clearly you see the intentions of creating a mise-en-scene and like you put it in black and white and you see the what the, they want the lighting to to yeah. say to the filmmaker sure. like in uh, in Steve Soderbergh's <laughs> recut of <laughs> Indiana Jones it's you you see Indiana Jones and he's walking into uh, into the the beginning in the temple he sees that idol and the idol just pops Oh. It's it's so brightly lit and it just the the scene just triangulates itself around this idol and it's so beautiful and you see the the intention of the filmmaker like we want you to see this this is important this is this this is magnificent and you can look on the director uh James Mangold uh on his Instagram you can just see his favorite his favorite frames from Logan and there's this really beautiful shot of Stephen Merchant character Stephen Merchant's character and he's standing in in an open doorway and he's just like looking down as the light just pours on top of him and it just have this like what hath god wrought oh wow view to that it sounds amazing and it's it's so beautiful and then there's this another shot of Logan he's standing in front of a house and you just see the moonlight is so evident as it as it pours on him and the light of the house and the, as as his backlight and Logan is just in black it's you you can't see the film any other way in my opinion I smell a film series here yes I would oh my love, god yes. I would love to do that you heard okay. it here, folks. This yeah, is your first check time back, hearing it. Yeah, check back in the spring <laughs> when we finally get a chance to get it all together. Mm-hmm. And we can do it with, like, we can make our own with, like, Happy Feet. Yeah. <laughs> happy Feet in black and white. Can we make our eighth grade movies in black and white? <laughs> So Logan, uh, I would uh, suggest you find it. I, I think it's in, uh, it's on all the Blu-ray copies. Go go check it out from the library, like I did. Uh, it's just it's on the you open it up and there's two discs, uh, Logan and Logan Noir. So I I suggest cool. you check that out. Sounds great. So that's about all the time we have. Uh, I'd like to thank the Ann Arbor District Library for coming in, or for letting us come in and take up their space for the last 45 minutes. Uh, we couldn't do this without their support. Uh, thank you both for coming here again. Oh, thank you for having thank us. You thank you for giving me your 45 minutes of time. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. This is how other people are going to to listen to uh, to the podcast. Uh, give us a review. Send me your movie magic moments. I would love to hear more from you. Uh, and uh, I'd also love to hear if you guys ever end up watching anything that we recommend yes, here. Like yes. if you end up checking out 
this uh, Logan Noir, let us know. If you don't feel like posting on social media, just email me. Um, I'll just I'll throw out my email right now. It's n aldering n a l d e r i n k at mishtheater.org. Send me your send me your emails. Tell me what you're thinking. I would love 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 to hear from you from anyone who's from for for anyone who's listening. Yeah. And um, we're gonna be back in a couple weeks in your feed. So check us out. And thank you for joining us behind the marquee. <laughs>